This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot agreeing to take part in this podcast and I've got to say I'm really really excited for various reasons because your career saw so much at Swindon yeah um I had a fantastic time at Swindon um well really and truly I could say that um it felt like I was living the dream um playing football which I loved which uh, I met a lot of great people I had some great friends in Swindon made some great great friends um I'd like to um, say that um, there was one guy I used to play squash with and he took me trout fishing, um, Steve Fisher. Fisher, his name, yeah. Um, but um, so many good people in Swindon and I'm so pleased for him uh, now for at this time that um, Swindon have got promotion and champions. Uh, I think the, the manager, Richie Wellens, has done a fantastic job Um I was a bit worried and concerned at times because I, kn- I knew a few of the players were on loan and I didn't want them to go back. But I'm so pleased that uh, Swindon um, rightly have been champions for this year. That's really nice to hear. And it's a curious thing because I talk to a lot of ex-players and some 
you know, they check Swindon's scores maybe, but that's as much as the the, the emotional investment goes. Is, is your similar to that? You just keep an eye on, or are you still sort of very much invested in it? Um, well, I, I have to say, um, you know, you you lead your life as an ex-professional, and you, you just keep you keep. Well, I just kept running really, and um, you do look back, but um, I, I have to say, um, I keep a, a real keen eye on Swindon. I've got some. Um, Nick Vitale works um, with the community scheme. He keeps me in touch. And, you know, I, I aim to go back a lot more. I went back once last year, but um, I, I like to go to the county ground. Um, yeah, it is emotional when you do go back. And so, yeah, it, you looked really as, a, as an ex-professional, you look to, to move on to the next phase. But um, it's always good to go back to county ground, without a doubt. Lovely stuff. And we have seven and a bit seasons to discuss, so there'll be yeah. plenty of memories coming up. But we start right the way at the beginning. So when you were a child, who was your favourite team and who were your childhood heroes? OK, well, I've got so many of those. Um, uh, I, I have to say that um, I, I went down to I went up to London on the train when I was 12 um, to Stamford Bridge. Um, I went with some schoolboy friends, um, so they're you know Charlie Cook, uh, Peter Osgood, people like this in the in the uh, in the Chelsea team. My bedroom wall was just adorned with all blue and white Chelsea. <laughs> but the thing is, I have to say right now, I've got a Fulham season ticket, and I'm not really keen on going to Stamford Bridge. <laughs> so <laughs> um, things change. Fulham's a nice day out, though. I, I really, I've been to Fulham a few times because I've got friend, a friend in Teddington, and every now and again we'll go to Fulham and watch a game. And it's just, it's just nice that walk from the the from the tube through the park. It's it's a nice one. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, we walked down the river. Um, a colleague of mine had a season ticket. He passed it to me a few times, and then when he didn't pass me the season ticket, um, I've kind of missed the game. So. Um, I bit the bullet really, and um, yeah, I, I, I bought a season ticket, and um, I've thoroughly enjoyed that walk that you've described down the river to the to the Craven Cottage. It's 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 really a nice thing to do. Nobody dislikes Fulham, do they? No, no, they don't. Nobody dislikes. Not even them. Swindon fans, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so. I've been talking to a lot of some of your ex-teammates recently, actually. I've, t- I've talked to Chris Ramsey, Dave Bamber, Adam McLaughlin. And mm. something that really strikes me is for for your age group, the, the journey into football is a lot different to the modern one. What, what are your memories of playing football as a child before you went into league football? Yeah, um, I think it's a lot more organised these days for... For, for the kids that come through. Um, I think that um, I grew up in an era where you put four sort of coats down and um, you played um, really sort of off the cuff in the parks and you played in the streets. And um, I mean, I can remember as a kid finding, looking for street lights and playing and um, playing with the ball underneath the street lights and just continuing um, to practice and practice uh, and then you, you know, you got called in for your for your tea at night. It was it was that kind of thing. I think these days I see a lot more cones on the parks and a lot more dads and a lot more parental in, influence probably. So uh, it's just how things change. Yeah, just as a child, you you uh, were influenced by um, 
match of the day, um, you know, and on the Sunday it was uh, the big match. You know, it was just absolute. You know, when I look back at those times, and um, you just dreamt, dreamt. I mean, recently the 1966 World Cup was was um, replayed. Uh, you know, it's just fantastic to watch that. And because um, I was eight years of age when I watched the World Cup, and it was the World Cup final. And um, from there, you just kind of dream about playing football. And um, it was it was a really great thing for me. I was privileged to realise that dream at uh, Swindon. Do you remember watching the World Cup final? Yeah, I can remember it. And um, there was a stage um, before the, the iconic moment of the, it's all over now. But, um, <laughs> I, I, I was, uh, yeah, really concerned and jumping up and down and, uh, and thinking that um, it was going to go the other way. But uh, um, yeah, Jeff Hurst. I actually um, bumped into Jeff Hurst in Kingston once. <laughs> and... Um, I just I couldn't believe it, and, and I walked on a few 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 more yards, and um, I said to my friend, I said that was, and they said Jeff Hurst. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so what was your what was your journey to Portsmouth then? Because that's where you started your career, wasn't it? So yes, how, how did you right. end, how did how did you end up at Fratton Park? Okay, so fourteen years of age, I I I played in a. Uh, a representative match for South East England. Uh, Kenny Sansom was one of the players that played at the time. Obviously, he played left back. Um, played at Reading. We played at Reading. And um, from there, um, I, I went up to a coaching course in Nottingham. And there was a, a guy from the, from the Navy, um, a coach. And he, I think, influenced the football club to write to me and ask me down for trials so at 14 years of age I I first went to so it's 1972 I went to Portsmouth and found myself training with um, first team players um, it, it was a really really great experience um, I, I recently saw the picture of the team that I trained with nine of the players apparently are dead now that era I can remember really and truly it was uh, sort of whiskey in a pocket and betting slips and all of that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I was quite saddened to see all of those players in the 72-73 Portsmouth team. Nine of them have, al- um, have already passed away. As far as your Swindon career is concerned alone, you really do transcend the old to the new as far as, you know, football was concerned, I would say. And you also witnessed the, the generation before you, which is really, really interesting, the, the early 70s and being able to play alongside the pros. That that seems really unusual. Yeah, um, really inclusive, I've got to say. Yeah. <laughs> To, to be training and, and playing with those with those players at such an early age, I'm not sure that that would happen these days. But that's that's how it was back in the day. Um, I, I can say um, at Swindon, um, yeah, really inclusive. Uh, you, you, any any if you're if you're good enough, you're young enough, and yeah, straight away they they put you into into training with with the pros. Which is which is a great thing, yeah. And and who did you look up to during your youth stage at, at Portsmouth? Well, there's a number number of pe- people really. Yeah, I I have to say, 
that um, I just got some really good people around me. And, and um, in, in terms of players, you had Steve Foster was there at Portsmouth. You had uh, people like Keith Viney, um, you know, not so, not so many people that went on to be stars or anything, but a good, solid professional players um, working hard at their game, just trying to improve all the time. This is what this is what you do every day. You live your life as a pro. You eat and drink, and sleep the game. You you work so hard, and you just really and truly believe that you can improve and just you want to be the best player you can. Yeah, trying to think of uh, Swindon links that you would have been associated with during that time, and I could really think of Steve Azelwood maybe, um, who was a Swindon player before Portsmouth. Absolutely, yeah, and John McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, um, course, Frank yeah. Burrows um, came manager. down yeah. to um, lift us at Portsmouth, lift us up through um, some really dark times because financially it was it was getting worse and worse at Portsmouth, and um, the fans had to step in to save the club, really. But uh, yeah, Frank Burrows um, brought in Stan Harland as well. And I know that these are um, names that all, all Swindon fans will know. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, great times. And um, from there, that's where I think the link for me went from Portsmouth to Swindon as um, as I enjoyed, you know, that Swindon link with Portsmouth and the players that came through there. Yeah. Um, John Trollope, he, he phoned me um, and, and asked me to come and talk to him. And obviously, I drove up there with my father-in-law. Um, went into the to the local pub, as my father-in-law would like to do. And who did I meet first there? Ricky Porter. Oh, wow! Fantastic to meet Ricky Porter. Yeah, Ricky was the um, like a boxer mm-hmm. who actually, he, I think he fought. You know, I, I'm not sure if it was world championship, but I can remember the um, a, a massive great picture of Ricky f- fighting. In in a in a, an arena that was just jam packed with people, so um, I know I knew that he was um, a really famous boxer, um, and I'm sure that he's he's still um, a big part of Swindon at the moment. In terms of managers, and we'll, we'll sort of stay with Portsmouth and, and 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 Swindon because one thing that really stands out is you worked and played for managers who, as players, were almost one club men. I mean, Jimmy Dickinson for a kickoff had the yeah. record of most games played in the league for a tip for, or generally for one team. And of course, John Trollope beat that record. And then you had Frank Burrows in between who played hundreds of times for Swindon. Um, yeah. What did you learn from these guys? Well, um, I know, and um, I think everyone understands how uh, uh, John Trollope, uh, what a gentleman he is. Jimmy Dickinson was exactly the same, absolute gentleman um, and really, really nice people. And I'm not saying that Frank's not an absolute gentleman, but um, uh, it was a hard Scottish kind of um, personality that came through with, with uh, Frank. Um, e- equally, just great people, great people to work with. Uh, de- definitely, um, you know, uh, Honest John, I would say. Is, is a tribute to, to John Trollope. He, you know, I would love to see John Trollope and shake his hand again. Um, just brilliant. And um, equally, Frank Burrows, just such good people. 
re- really good people. They they had the, your best interest at heart all the time uh, in such a tough business. I mean, uh, there's no there's no tougher business football in terms of accountability. It's right there and then. If it's not if it's not happening, um, you know, you, you're you're out kind of thing. Um, but really and truly, those 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 people who appear for football clubs so many times, the dedication and commitment that's needed um, is is amazing. And um, yeah. Can't can't say enough or give enough tributes to people like Jimmy Dickinson and John Trollope. What happened for you to have to leave Portsmouth? Because you played for them, they were a magnificent club, as you say, the fans saved them. You know, something yeah. that Port something that Portsmouth have always had is that they've always had an attendance. You know, whenever I've done research, I've always seen even when they're at their worst, they do have that core, don't they? Why yeah, the, the yeah, core on. the core at um, Portsmouth? Uh, never, never dipped below seven thousand, and that was at its lowest, mm. lowest ebb. What happened for me was, I think Frank, Frank was coming to the end of his time at, obviously his first time at Portsmouth. Um, uh, Bobby Campbell had, had come in, and I think that there was um, financially there was some input from from somewhere, and you know a lot of new players uh, were coming into the, into the team. And as a young player, you get pushed further and further back and behind. And I think basically when, when John Trollope phoned me and asked me to come and talk to him, I just felt it was a new opportunity for me. And I thought uh, it's something that I could, um, you know, grab with both hands. I, th- I just think that, um, it, it opened up chances for me to play first team football, um, and that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I, I, I just um, had had to move at the time. Um, I'd married a Portsmouth girl, and we both moved up. We lived in um, 42 Matley Moor. I used to walk my dog around Coke Water. I absolutely loved that life, and uh, we moved to Chiseldon. Had a fantastic house in Chiseldon. Um, my wife had a really good job, and I have to say, our lives at the time it was idyllic. Really, we were both both enjoying life, uh, both in our twenties. It was absolutely a fantastic time for both of us. Rogers is streaking ahead, and he's onside. When, when you were just leaving Swindon, that's when I just before I start going, and um, well, I started going because my dad supported Swindon before he gave up on them. And yeah, Lee Barnard was stumpy. Are you, that's right. Are you happy with that nickname? Yeah, it doesn't uh, concern me at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm five foot eight. I got. I, I'd like to think I was a national average. But, uh, it's um, it, not, not these days. Um, people are getting taller and taller. Yeah, it's um. I, I really, uh, I really felt affinity with all all of the fans, and I know we went through some tough times, ups and downs, and um, I mean, when when you at those times when you play football, you play for approval, and <laughs> approval wasn't always at its best for everyone in, in any 
walk of life, you're going to get ups and downs. But I'd like to think that I gave 100% all the time. Um, I lived the life for Swindon Town and was privileged, really, to, to, to do the job. I'm, I'm really grateful that uh, I played over 200 games. Um, I met, like I said, I've met some fantastic people around Swindon. What what an absolutely lovely part of the country um, Wiltshire is. It's fantastic. Yeah. The bit that really excited me when you agreed to do this is, is it ticks a couple of boxes for me because I've been doing this for almost two years to the day and you're the first person from both the John Trollope management era and the Ken Beamish uh, management era so I get to talk about those seasons and I know that won't excite many because you know they're not the greatest in the era but they're really important part of Swindon's history because it really does lay the foundations of what was to become what was to come and you arrive and you like you said you came here to play games and boy you got them because I think you're ever present uh, for Swindon in your first season, you're playing alongside like Swindon legends like Jimmy Allen. Um, you've got the young Paul Rideout, the Jimmy Quinn, and Andy Rowland, and they're all scoring loads of goals. But form-wise, we don't quite kick on. It just doesn't work for whatever reason, does it? Um, I think we're about mid-table in your first season. What are your memories of those early days at Swindon? Yeah, it was it was hard. It really was hard because it was we were so inconsistent in terms of results. Um, really, it's just really tough. Um, we needed fresh impetus. And we need we needed um, new bodies. We needed new people to come in, and eventually that's that's what happened. Um, but you mentioned those names there. And just ah, oh, just when when you when you think about young Paul Rideout, oh wow, never seen a harder shot in all the time. <laughs> just I can remember him rifle one in from just inside the halfway line, and just running up to him. Um, a lot of pressure on that young lad, Paul Rideout. Um, you know what's he's sixteen, seventeen, yeah. And then obviously Jimmy Allen in goal. I remember when he got injured and uh, I think he broke his arm, just terrible injury. But yeah, what a nice fella. Yeah. He, he, he liked his horses and just, um, yeah, farm life really for Jimmy Allen, but he played some, he, yeah, really, really good. Someone like Jimmy Quinn. Wow. I can remember crossing the ball to Jimmy Quinn and he scored against Blackburn Rovers and that's where he ended up. And I thought, if I hadn't crossed that ball for Jimmy Quinn. <laughs> but but um, and, and Andy Rowland, well, Andy, Andy was the old pro. And, oh, it kind of always remember Andy being a bit kind of surly towards me. And I was just um, quite young, bolshy and, you know, just plenty of energy, just full of running. And um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, but mixed mixed feelings in terms of when you get when you get results that are inconsistent and people are you know not exactly happy around you it's you've you've got to keep yourself got to keep yourself up and you've got to keep working hard and that's and that's what we tried to do and you just hope that things are going to come come through but yeah at the time we probably could have done with some more 
some more players with experience. And eventually that, that did happen. Yeah. Andy Rowland, for my generation, is is the coach. So we know him as the old system manager or first team coach, which he was throughout the 90s. But I yeah. think it's often forgotten, you know, how important he was as a player to Swindon as well in the yeah. late 70s, especially and at the tail end of his career when you were playing alongside him. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was at the tail end of his career when um, when I played. and um, But I understood about Andy's past and the way that he'd um, played. I mean, people like Chris Kamara, who moved from Portsmouth to Swindon uh, in earlier seasons, and Danny Williams was manager, mm-hmm. and Andy would have been really sort of proactive around that time in really playing really well, I, I'd imagine. But yeah, there was, um, I think, in those Kembeamish and those early days, yeah, probably crowds would have dwindled slightly and yeah, people would have been a bit disillusioned. But I mean, when you look at the way things changed, I mean, when Lou Macari came in, I mean, he really did sort of bring in um, fresh, fresh impetus and, um, and gave us, well, you know, the the guy could really spot a player Mm -hmm. uh, talent. Um, I think, um, yeah, he had he had a lot to give, um, and he certainly gave a lot to Swindon. Five years, Lou Macari was there, um, and yeah, he, he was great at motivating people, without a doubt. In, in terms of what you said earlier about John Trollope, what is it like? Because, you know, just by listening to you, you can see how fond of John that you are still today and how much respect you had for him. Yeah. Does that hurt? when obviously he lost his job during your first season and Ken Beamish came in, who was his assistant. Does that hurt you as, as, a, as a player when that happens? Yeah, I'm disgusted. <laughs> got, got to be honest, yeah, really disgusted and hurt. Because, I mean, I know loyalty is a strange thing uh, within football, but you connect with people, but you certainly learn quickly that you must adapt mm. or you, you just you won't, you can't survive. And you have to go with it, which was unfortunate because I, yeah, I was I was disappointed because I th- I felt that uh, uh, John was doing his best, um, but then Ken, you know, he, he wanted to take the chance, he wanted to take his opportunity. Fair play to him, but yeah, you you have to you have to adapt quickly and and reset yourself and think right, okay. But the good, th- the good thing, the good thing is really that uh, John John stayed at the club and was was able to um, coach, uh, you know, and take a step back. So I mean that would have been really difficult for him at the time, but I'm 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 pleased that the club did, and um, he stayed and had um, and furthered his career, um, which was only right. Which was only right, John Trollope. You know, one club man, fantastic, fantastic achievement. Yeah, and you'll still see him on a match day. So if you do come back, you'll you'll find him, I'm sure, if you if you yes, ask around. Uh, absolutely, Richie and Don <laughs> Rogers as well. You know, yeah, <laughs> Don Rogers. Wow, you know, you talk about watching people on TV. Don Rogers at Crystal Palace, and I can remember Frank Burrows and Stan Harlan talking to me about. Um, Don Rogers and his ability, 
And they reckoned that he was a better player than Trevor Francis. And Trevor Francis went for a million pounds, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, it's just nice to hear the names Frank Burrows and uh, Stan Harland talking without it just being about the League Cup. And it's just, it's great getting that sort of colour of what people were like behind the scenes, you know? And yeah. um, your second season, this is the thing is, you know, history is written by the by the victors, isn't it? And yeah. when we look at your second season, um, it is one of our lowest place finishes in our football league history. As you quite rightly pointed out, you know, crowds were dwindling. I think you scored the winning goal in a game against Darlington at the county ground where there was only 1,681 people for a match day on a Saturday, which is... You know, yeah. if that happened now, it would be crisis, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure it might have been back then as well. But, you know, there's some there's some names coming through during that time as well. I think that season Adam Mays returns, doesn't he? And Gary Nelson comes in. We're still yeah. scoring goals. But again, it's another season where we just can't get the form, can we? What, what, what was Ken Beamish like as a manager? Because I, I haven't had the opportunity to ask that question yet. Ken was quite bubbly. Um, I'd watched him play for Brighton um, at the Goldstone Ground, at the old Goldstone Ground. Um, I really feel um, that it was just a, a low point because we need we needed um, staff changes really on the pitch, without a doubt. Mm. We needed <laughs> we we needed um yeah it it really was one of those. One of those times where you where you thought it, it just wasn't happening, um, and obviously, who's responsible for it? The manager, and you know Ken Ken had been put in a difficult position. So really and truly, yeah, I think it's probably one of one of the lowest points of Swindon's um, you know footballing past. I have to say. Yeah, being part of it wasn't wasn't pleasant. Uh, anybody playing at the time, you know, it, it's a it's a hard place to be. You know, you, it's we're you know it's a business that's based on results, and results weren't going our way. Um, so it's it's a hard time. I mean, you, you you walk through the town when when it's when results are going poorly for you, and obviously you know it's it's. It's almost you're you. It's shameful. You're you're ashamed to be walking through the town because you've lost again. It's it's a, a real miserable time. You know, as hard as you work, you you can't you can't get the results, and you're playing for a town that's really and truly a tough place to be. But w- when you share times with a, with a team and with players, you really do bond with people, and you it's it's one of those things where you know you look back and you think how good people were try trying their best okay results weren't going that well but all i can say is okay when you look on you can look at brighter days ahead that's for sure yeah and there were to be brighter days for swindon and you were able to be a part of that before we kick into the lumakari era one thing that really stands out is that you played for Swindon during some of the best kits that we've ever had. I've got to say, um, except maybe, you know, being sponsored by ISIS is a, is a little bit controversial in modern terms, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Some of those shirts that you that you wore in those days, right? I'm not kidding. We we used to wear them for pre-season training and we used to wear plasters over our nipples because the nipples <laughs> were so sore from wearing those shirts. So yeah, some of those kits have got a lot to answer for, I can tell you that. I'm telling you, if you uh, if you had those kits now, you'd get hundreds for them. Hundreds, they're very yeah. high in demand, but not, not for running. I, I remember um, sponsored boots from Mitre. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, we all wanted to wear Adidas or Puma or whatever. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, um, oh, Mark Jones said to me, he said, Barney, you are not a Puma player. Wear Adidas. <laughs> So I'm not so sure that's so good for their marketing, but anyway. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Well, you're somebody who, you know, was already well into Portsmouth when Lou Macari was, was, you know, one of the biggest names around. What do you yeah. remember of him rocking up at Swindon with Harry Gregg as well? i got to say this as well. I can remember watching um, at uh, Highbury, Lou Macari's debut for, for Manchester United. I also, obviously, was, you know, everyone grows up with knowing about Harry Gregg and how he went back into the Munich air disaster, into the plane and saved people so um, when the two of those people are in front of you on the first day, you're pretty much amazed, amazed, because as we've rightly spoken about, probably one of the lowest points of Swindon's past, we, we then have got Lou Macari and Harry Gregg in front of you. You're sat there thinking, wow, well, where are we going to go from here? And basically, Harry was you know, the, the tough guy image, um, the coach who took the training and put you through hell. But it wasn't really, it wasn't really like that. Um, it was just good, solid training. He brought in some great um, sort of methods from Brazil in terms of warm-ups. So there, there was some sort of new thinking, well, some new thinking and going into it. But it was just a lot of running, um, something that was quite easy for me at the time. Running was just, yeah, I was always at the front, so not not a problem. Um, Lou Lou admired hard work. Um, he he admired hard work in his players, but um, you know, I mean, I I kind of uh, got the feeling I I need to um, get an interest in horse racing. <laughs> not that I didn't have any interest in it. I just <laughs> didn't have enough of an interest to come close to to um, someone like Lou. Lou loves horse racing um, as much as I think he loves football. But um, he bought all of his methods, I think, down from Celtic. I think if he if he could have got a hose pipe out, he might have hosed us down before a match. <laughs> It, it, it's really interesting because, as like I said, I've spoke to a couple of your old teammates, and they all hated the uh, the running, and they all loved the horse racing. So it's it's yeah. good to get that other side that there was another <laughs> segment of the team that you know wanted to do the cardio, and you know you know had an interest in. They'll put some money on a horse, but it's not going to dictate their day or anything like that. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, this is your third season, your third manager, but you're still playing, which I think in terms of being a footballer is the ultimate compliment because it doesn't matter how sort of like the form, you're still there. And if three managers can recognise you, you know that you're doing your bit, aren't you? That's how I would see it. Richie, thank you for that. Um, and, I, and I have to say this. Um, and five, through five years with Lou Macari, um, I would say to anyone, if you stay in the team, then you've absolutely deserved to be there. And I, that's, that's all I can say. I mean, you, I, could, I know you, you get bad games, you get good games. But overall, five years, you know, I can remember when, when um, at, at the end um, of playing with Lou, Lou, Lou took me into, the, into his office and he said, listen, he said, there's, there's, a, there's a few in the crowd that don't seem to appreciate what you're doing. And he said, you've got a good life here. Your wife's got a good job. You've got a nice house. Does it matter to you if you're in the team? And I said, well, it does matter to me that I'm in the, that I'm in the team, but I like training. And he said, well, just relax and just, just enjoy. Just enjoy coming in every day. And, and I didn't play at the end, in, in, in the end, but I enjoyed the training and everyone was nice to me and it was just, it was still good. That that first season under Lou, this is this is like it really stops the rot, and I think that sort of the sign of better things because crowds are still, in modern comparisons, woefully woefully low. But I think the sign that things are happening is almost a year after that goal you scored against Darlington. We play them at home again. We beat them again one nil, and the crowd is up three three and a half thousand or so, which is a real indicator. And then, well, the next season. Even though it started so badly, didn't it? I mean, it just become you know he made the right signings. People like Colin Coldwood coming in, and it just yeah. it just changed so dramatic. What, what what do you think was the big change during that 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 transition of eighty four, eighty five to eighty five, eighty six? Right. Well, I can remember um, demonstrations outside the ground and um, being quite frightened, really walking past it. Uh, and that is when Harry Harry left. Now I I. I think that the two of them fell out. Harry Gregg and Lou fell out. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't quite quite working, and um, new new players were coming, which we needed. Um, I mean, to go to Mansfield, I mean, and get Colin Calderwood as a as a young as a young man, um, and and bring him into to Swindon like that was fantastic moves. And Lou, Lou was brilliant at that kind of thing. And he knew what he wanted to do. And Harry, basically, I think, was contradicting what, what Lou was, was trying to do all the time. So, you know, it had to, had to happen. And then I think, if I'm right in saying that uh, the board sacked both of them, mm-hmm. but then replaced Lou back in, in because of the demonstrations. So the Swindon fans, actually, I think... Uh, really sort of put back into place um, the future that, that took off from there. Um, so it was an interesting time again, because nothing, nothing really had changed uh, until that moment. And after that moment, well, well, um, Lou started to take the training and we were running through the town. <laughs> we, were, we were running everywhere. Um, he got us extremely fit. Um, he, he got players in. Um, I mean, when, when you think about it, 
Chris Ramsey. Um, I mean, also, I mean, this might have been in the ne- probably the next season when when he when he went to places like um, Bristol Rovers and bought in Tim Parkin, um, Steve White. You know, these these players. We we were an extremely fit outfit when that when that started to take place. Yeah. So, and the training. I mean, and Chris Kamara was brought back. The training was easier than. Sorry, the the playing on a Saturday was easier than the training, <laughs> because the training we went. I mean, some of the some of the the pitches he made so small, and you couldn't help but just tackle all the time. So, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, this is one of Lou Macari. This is he. He asked us, you know, where we would like to go at the end of a season. Anyway, he took us away to Ireland, and we played about five matches in Ireland. And we were kicked, or they tried, the Irish team tried to kick us from pillar to post. But very quickly, the Irish teams found out that that wasn't going to work with any of us. Because (laughs) we were so used to, like, a hardened um, training regime that, you know, you you got kicked and you got up. And that's the way that we were taught to be. Yeah. Um, so physically, I, I think Lou shaped us, um, mentally he shaped us, and it and it really hardened every one of us in the team uh, at the time. And that mentality um, took us through so many so many games and through the whole seasons that that he was there. There was there's nothing easy about it at all. It was just hard graft. And hard training um, that that took us through. Yeah. So once all of that took started to take place and come through, I mean, when Dave Bamba joined us, I mean, Dave Bamba was put out on the wing. <laughs> he was absolutely mortified. I'm a centre forward. He would be saying, "I don't want to be out on the wing." But he was so dangerous as a winger. You know those that those big tall legs and and his elbows kept just banging in your face. He, 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 you know, he was so dangerous and he would create absolute carnage in, in every match by playing out wide. And Lou, Lou would make him play out wide. I don't know how he got away with it because Dave Bamber was quite a strong character. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the success of, of what was to come and what was happening at that time makes me feel sorry for people like Colin Gordon who were like... You know the popular, you know the goal scorers of the of the oh, years Richie, before. Please don't feel sorry for Colin Gordon. <laughs> oh, oh my God, that guy, that guy. Honestly, I've seen him. He's he's six foot. Okay, <laughs> I've seen him do an overhead kick, um, just perfect, perfect. So the guy scored scored those goals, uh, and he moved to Wimbledon. You remember? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, he he moved to Wimbledon. He got a great move to Wimbledon. They paid over a hundred thousand pounds for him. The guy came from non-league, and I can remember when he first turned up, thinking, "Oh, who's this?" <laughs> you know, Lou went through how training him, getting him fit, making him making him what he was. Lou Macari made that guy, okay, and well, the rest of us around him. But he he. He did extremely well for a couple of years. Yeah. Colin Gordon did really well to get that move to Wimbledon, and I'm pleased for him. 
Okay, I think he, he became an agent. He did, yeah. In actual yeah. fact, he, he was agent for the England manager, wasn't he? I think Steve McLaren, but, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. I can't believe he did that. How he got that, I do not know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those things if, if you're not there, because you look at someone like Colin Gordon, um, you look like someone, uh, you look at someone like Colin Gordon's career and you think, well, he had that spell at Swindon and then he just goes around the houses for the, for yeah. the remainder of his career. Yeah, because he? of... Because of what Lou did with him, it, yeah. honestly. Yeah. 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 I mean, something that, that always interests me is somebody, because I, I, I can't remember it. I, I was I was on this earth, but I wasn't watching football. Um, really is, you're, you're a fourth division player at this stage. Um, you know, we'll talk about crowds yeah. again in a minute, but what was it like being a footballer during that time? You say it was a good lifestyle and things like that, but you know, you're not getting yeah. paid what they're getting paid nowadays. Oh, and things no. like that. I, I, I tell you this, this, this is what happened to me. No word of a lie. So um, I forget what insurance company it was, but my wife had a good job and we went to one of their evening Christmas do it was. So this, this guy says to me, he said, Oh, he said, I, I earn much more than you do. And I said, do you really? And he said, yeah, I know I earn a lot more than you do. He said, but I don't run out on a Saturday. And I said, no, and you never will. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's the novelty um, is amazing for some people. And, okay, I understand, I understand that. But, okay, you, you cannot deny the fact that, say, from a young person, and we've spoken about... Uh, how sort of at six to eight years of age you're searching for the light so you can practice underneath some street light. Mm-hmm. You hone your body and you work so hard for all those years. And the pros are same same today, okay? And really, I, I would say that you just improve each year by year and then you peak at, say, 28, 29, and, and then probably you start to physically physically decline i don't know how it is so much these days i think probably players go on for longer back to that yeah i can honestly say that even though you're a fourth division footballer okay you are living the life you are living a dream yeah yeah you do you you just you live for the game and it is exactly how you want it to be if you win, it's fantastic. And if the results are inconsistent, it's harder. It's just harder. But what a lifestyle. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this this season that we're still on, the, the first of the, the, the promotions, 85-86, I mean, it used to really wind me up when I was a younger fan. It doesn't so much anymore when mm. you think that, at the start of the season, we're just about getting low to mid 3,000 attendances. And then we get 12,000 in on the championship game against Chester, which all the colleagues that, all of your colleagues that I've spoken to have said, what a great night that was. And of course, you scored the fourth that night. But the reason why... why yeah, I can up- remember the goal. I can remember it. It was absolutely just amazing. I mean... You, you you know the evenings where they're dark. It's yeah. kind of a damp kind of feel to it. It's just perfect football weather, and uh, I can remember coming in from the right hand side. The ball dropped to me. It was a kind of a half volley. Pushed the ball out, and then I just sort of 
my left foot has always been a great saviour for me. <laughs> and, I've, and I've curled into this corner and, and run off like, you know, you feel like that's it's euphoria. You feel like it's you feel like Maradona, George Best and you, you name it all wrapped up into one for seconds. It lasts. And then, you know, with so many people around the ground and this is what you have lived for since you were that young age, that boy. And that's that moment. And I, I can't I can't say that you could feel any better at any time. You know, it's just glorious glorious feeling yeah I, I love your celebration for that goal because although it's sort of it sort of gives us the two goal cushion yeah you you milk it lovingly not yeah no shame I, in I that just, at all um, <laughs> well you just <laughs> what can I say you just, you just <laughs> you've lived your life for that moment yeah, no, 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 absolutely. I've got no, no problems with that. And and the reason I think the 12,000 attendance sort of annoyed me, those sort of stats annoy me when I'm when I was younger. And again, I really, you know, the more the merrier is what is what I think when when I, as a football fan now, if people want to pick and choose what games they go to, brilliant. I don't go to football matches every week because I've got family and work commitments. That's 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 yeah. mine. Um, I used to think, you know, I used to be like, well, where were you when we were, weren't that great, you know, and now suddenly we're doing well and in you yeah. come. And that's, that's people's prerogative. No, no issue with that, but it, people are buying into it. We're, we're now, we're now getting, you know, well over double the attendances that, that you were used to in your first couple of seasons. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go beat by beat into every of the promotions because I mean, we'll be here all day and, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I mean, it, it's what you said before about Makari. Every year, at the sacrifice of maybe one or two of your teammates, he just kept strengthening it, didn't he? And it, it just, yeah, the names. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty relentless. It's like, um, how can I put it? It's just, uh, uh, you know, solidly new players coming in, ready to take your place, anyone's place. And that's what it's like. It's like a conveyor belt of of people wanting to uh, um, take everything that you've got, really. And so, yeah, it's it's that's a great motivator because you think to yourself all the time, well, you know, I'm, I, I, you're not allowed to to be left on your laurels. You're not allowed to be all the time. You've got to watch your back. You've got to watch what you're doing. You've got to improve. Hmm. Or you're going to find yourself on your way, and so, yeah, it's a lot of pressure, um, but you you learn to live with it, you you work for it, and yes, you know that that conveyor belt won't stop, that there's going to be new players coming in constantly, and actually, to be fair, you're quite happy when it's not you that's out the team, that the the team has been improved, and you can see the improvement. Um, and when, when, when you think about the crowds, um, when the queues started to queue um, to get their tickets and things, and, you, you know, you'd, you'd go past the queues and you'd just be thinking, oh, wow, look at this. You know, scenes that I'd never seen before, never thought could happen at Swindon. You know, when we've looked at um, the, the, the past, you, you see so many people turning up for games and just wanting and wishing for the success that's taking place and you're part of it. It's, it was unbelievable times. And 
I have to say, so enjoyable. Yeah. From a society point of view, it, it's really important that Swindon have this period of success because, you know, football is dwindling and it's got a bad reputation for all the things yeah. that we, we all know about what was happening in European and football and, 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 and within crowds and things yeah. like that, you know, tragedies and, and, and the rise of hooliganism and yeah. things like that. And Swindon luckily sort of, although there's all plenty of stuff going on in the, on the terraces, it, it, the success pretty much saves the club, I would say, from anything worse um, because because yeah. people are going to the games now, aren't they? Yeah, it was it was um, it was also uh, the success was 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 obviously fantastic for the town, and yeah, it it kind of um, when when you look back now, uh, the success actually um, caused problems mm. uh, at the club eventually. Um, which were unforeseen by most of us, but um, yeah. So we, we, we as a club, Swindon Town, were a victim of our own success because eventually someone is going to let you down, probably in the back in the background. Um, and um, you know, whereas most, I don't, I don't see the football club doing anything different to other clubs all up and down the country. But then, yeah, it was unfortunate. But we, we, uh, we were outed, as it were, as as a club, um, and yeah. you know yeah. that was that was the 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 downfall, I suppose you could say. It's tough. It's, it's tough, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, Swindon were doing you know things that were against the rules, and you know, as as somebody who yeah. sort of started support Swindon, as that was all unraveling. Um, I only hear from the the fans of those who were who were following it and remember it more vividly than I do. And I think you know, looking back, you know, the rules were broken and the punishment was applied. But the problem is, is one, it was the retrospectiveness of it. Or I think you know, punishing a, yeah. a, a selection of players and a manager for something that was um, done you know, before the, these players were at the club or that manager was at the club yeah. is very, very harsh. Um, and also the fans were, were punished more than anybody in yeah. that. And and there's that sense that everybody was doing it. And we know that bigger clubs were doing it because they were found guilty yeah. later and were not given the similar yeah. punishment. And it's that's and that's the sort of thing that really, that really still gets Swindon fans. Yeah. It's it, the fact that, you know, punished us, fine, but, you yeah. know, it's got to be the same across the board and much, much bigger teams, especially those in London and things like that. That's right. Major names were not punished. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I agree totally with you, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, what we did have in 86-87, this is a, a, another magnificent season. We go up a level, it's tougher, but we're still there. We're in the playoffs. Your, this is your last season as, as a regular. Those gruelling playoff games against Wigan and Gillingham. <laughs> what are your memories of those? Well, I, I, I can be honest, uh, and I, I tell you, they, those some of those games... It, it, Felt like you was out there, but but you weren't. And then some, one one or two of your teammates were were right on it, and and would score. And you know you'd run up to them, and you'd you'd be so grateful because you just felt it was like you say a grueling. It was like a, a, 
a sprint after a marathon and you know you probably weren't feeling your best but somebody on the day was and, it, and you're so grateful but um yeah this this is where Lou Macari's fitness sort of obsession with you know running and things like that really probably pays dividends doesn't it because yeah. you just as I've said to, to to previous guests you know we're up against it against Wigan because we're 2-0 down um early on aren't yeah. we and then we we get the replay but the Ginningham game Ginningham are 2-0 up on aggregate at one stage and yeah. and we just keep going and we keep pushing and I mean yeah. the game at Selhurst Park hands down oh. everybody who was there says it was the best moment that they they'd seen following Swindon it was the loudest and just yeah. it just you know they encapsulates the era for Swindon yeah I can remember um on the day um the coach we were on the coach and um right by you know where the Grenfell um fire disaster the mm-hmm. hotel was quite close to there and I, it, it was a it was a really nice hotel and we we went in and, and you know you were made to sort of go to bed during the day and it really sort of like that was a hard one to actually do you, you had to you know when you, you turned up to an away game you had to to go to bed at say i don't know one o'clock in the afternoon and uh but anyway, so you lie there and you're, you're obviously nervous and the tension is building up. Um, you come down for a pre-match meal. Lou had sort of almost banned us from eating anything but tea and toast before a match, quite rightly. And then obviously we got onto the coach and um, we went towards um, Sellers Park. And, and um, yeah, it was... And it's just an absolutely amazing night. I mean, to be to be involved in that. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I can. And afterwards, after it all all happened, I just I just remember coming back to Chiseldon um, late at night, just kind of um, basically sitting downstairs uh, in the dark, <laughs> just sitting there thinking, wow. <laughs> we've actually done it we've actually made it and you know as much as we can look back and think of those dark days where it was that you were shamed to walk through the town because of the results that you walk through the town with your with your head up high and you're just absolutely loving life because <laughs> you've been successful yeah it was just marvelous beautiful time Loved living in Chiseldon in that village. Oh my God, so many people so happy for for um, the results that we got. Yeah, and and that sort of culmination of success really. I mean, considering at one stage you were sent out on loan to Exeter during this this era, and yeah. you managed to fight your way back. I mean, you went back on loan. Yeah. You went on loan to Exeter, played against Swindon, and injured Lou Macari. I mean, you know that takes some yeah. balls, doesn't it? <laughs> so it does. Yeah. I mean, those those days were really dark days, and when I when I look back now, the strength of character and the strength of mind that I had at the time to overcome um, a lot of negative pressure at the time, but it was all it just motivated me uh, even more. Yeah. And what it, it what it does now when when I look back and I think 
so I, you know, maybe I need some, you know, strength here. And I think back and I think, well, so many people would have caved in, it, 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 you know, and only a very strong person, strong minded person can then go on after his career in football and become a teacher for 20 years and teach in a, in a, in a all boys comprehensive school. <laughs> with all the negativity flying around in in that environment as well, so yeah, I th- I do f- look back and I think, yeah, it's kind of you've got to be kind of a uh, tough, tough mentally to get through kind of things like that. Pick somebody out. Far post for Shearer. Goal! Yes! Wonderful goal all the way from the moment that Hazard picked him out. Your, your, your final three seasons. I mean, it starts. I mean, you play a bit in the um, in the second tier in eighty seven, eighty eight, um, yeah. but not so much in the final two. Is that just you know down to just falling out of favour, or were there injuries at this stage? What was happening? Basically, they, everyone had told me that if you if you can play in the fourth and the third, then you can play in the second because they give you more time, more time on the ball. Well, I, I, I'm not. I'm not so sure that it worked for me. You know, I was hard working, hard grafting. It, it was. It was a new. It was a new kind of phase. Um, and once again, I think the step up. I mean, players were coming in like Tom Jones. Tom Jones, what a great player! Perfect. Oh, so much good ball skills. When Tom Jones passed the ball, he past it and it stayed past so you know I could see that this level was was kicking in all around me mm. and um there's there, there was no ways that, that I was going to give in but at the same time I was thinking I was getting a, a Lou was Lou was on the, the line at Watford I can remember playing at Watford um and I, and I just kept hearing my name and I kept thinking can you stop shouting my name? <laughs> Please stop shouting my name. And, and he got me in after the game, and he said, "How many times was I telling you to do this or do that?" And I and I was, and I was like, and I just basically said, "Just shut up, stop calling my name." And you know that was my last game really, in the, in the second tier. <laughs> but, you know these things happened. <laughs> no, well, they, well they do, don't they? And I mean, yeah. again, it's it's. You, you arrived at Swindon and we, you were going and playing against two and a half thousand uh, Hereford and you were finishing playing against West Ham, playing yeah. against 22,000. So you'd seen, yeah. Can I say, you'd seen it all. Yeah, that's right. Liam Brady played at West Ham and I remember playing against Liam Brady. Um, I mean, to me, Liam Brady and his left foot is just absolute magic. Um, but we he came down to uh, Fratton Park at Portsmouth and we played in I- Owen Hand's testimonial match and I net- nutmegged Liam Brady and got the ball the other side and I remember him looking round to me and calling me, see you next Tuesday and I just <laughs> looked at him and I thought, nothing's going to pass this. <laughs> so Fraser Digby getting a bad eye um, injury from and I think it was Ozzy Ardiles was the manager and, and you know uh, Ward, I think, did it. Uh, it was a nasty gash on his, and he had to have stitches on his on his eye and everything. And it was just, it was unnecessary. But um, yeah, I, I can remember that 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 match at um, 
yeah, the old West Ham ground. And I'd been and I'd been there and watched matches with George Best, Jimmy Greaves, you know, and I actually played on the pitch. It was yeah, it was just how how nice and close. Yeah, so the fans were all close to the to the players. It, yeah, it was amazing that match. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm a unapologetic, hopeless romantic. So when I see you coming on, uh, having listened to your story, which I didn't know that much in depth, to be honest, and to hear your love of Chelsea and then you come on and play against Chelsea at the county ground um, yeah. and, you know, Swindon equalise while you're on the pitch as well. And, I mean, again... You know, those are the sort of moments that you you hope for when you're playing football under the under the street lamps, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. Um, when you know, people say to me, you know, who are the best people that you played against or played with? Well, I've been on the same pitch as George Best. I've been on the same pitch as Jimmy Greaves. Uh, George Best. Um, he played in a charity match. Um, a Swindon Speedway rider had um, died, unfortunately, terrible. And so we're raising money for, and George Best was the only player that got paid, but he got paid £300. Mary Stavins, uh, Miss World, was in the was in the um, the players' bar. When I came up the stairs to the players' bar, Mary Stavins was looking down and she was looking at me and she was smiling. So... I thought, wow, Mary Stavins, Miss World, is looking at me. And I turned around and George Best was walking up the steps behind me. <laughs> <laughs> but I was on the same pitch as George Best. That was just, you know, another highlight. I played for uh, Yeovil. I went on loan from Portsmouth to Yeovil and we played against Barnet and Jimmy Greaves was playing for Barnet. Wow. Yeah. Um, but when when you look at all of the players... That actually came through Swindon, including Glenn Hoddle, Ozzy Ardiles. You you got some absolutely wonderful talent oh, that's that's been at Swindon. Yeah, yeah, we were spoiled. I mean, Ozzy comes in in your in your last few months, and you start the season as a regular. So yeah, what was I played the reason right for the back. exit? Yeah, right. Okay, so played right back, and um, Ozzy, I'd come back from coaching in the states. Um, and I was just delighted to be able to to train and actually, you know, and Aussie Aussie put me in the team. That was that was that was really good. But so yeah, I continued, and then and then what happened was Aussie um, sort of asked me and called me into his office, stubbed out his cigarette that he was smoking, <laughs> and he had an ashtray in the drawer. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he said, "Oh, you know." These, uh, Cardiff are interested in you and I said well yeah they were last year but Lou wouldn't let me go and um, you know I knew that there was some money on the table um, and when Lou told me about it he said, he, he said do you need the money and I said no and he said well then you, you don't need it just go back home and, and anyway when Ozzy spoke to me I, um, I thought okay so I spoke to Len Ashcroft and um, he said that he wanted to bring me down there. Um, I I agreed to go. Um, um, the the reason I agreed to go was basically because they paid for my train journey from Swindon to Cardiff every day, 
Um, so I still lived in the same home in Chiseldon with my wife and um, just travelled down there and, and played all the time. Things never really materialised how, how we wanted to at uh, Cardiff, but, you know, it was a, another opportunity, um, another opening. So, yeah, I just took it. Yeah. And, as it, I mean, Cardiff then isn't the Cardiff that we know now either, is it? So no. it, it was it was a lot different. But It, it was it, like going back to the, the lowest times at Swindon, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it allows you to have a couple more seasons in in the pro game. It takes you well beyond 300 league appearances, not including all the cup games. Um, but of course, the yeah. bulk of that is, of, of course, at Swindon Town. And and then after that, I mean, was was I know you had trials at places like Gloucester. You you came, you went out and played a game. Was it a case as the body wasn't allowing you, or were you beginning to think that I need to get into a different? different career now yeah um what what happens is so physically uh, um i was still really fit um and probably could have trawled myself up and down the country i didn't really want to do that i had i had coaching opportunities in the states so um i was coaching in the states um my wife was rather concerned and wanted me back (laughs) and so she phoned me up and said there's an opportunity as a community officer at Swindon. Um, and I said, well, that'd be fabulous. Um, I, I really would like to do that job. And um, she said, it's it's um, a new opportunity. Um, so I have to give credit to my my wife at the time. She she um, signed the forms and forged my, my signature um, and um, sent off a letter to um, Swindon. Uh, and I came back and I went for the interview and I was delighted to secure that position and, so, and set about um, um, putting putting together the the uh, community scheme at uh, Swindon. Yeah, it was, it was it was a really fantastic opportunity. I did I did that for a couple of years. Um, we got schools program going. Did did um, the um, not entertainment, but put on some shows before matches and things and just got schools interested get the community back into the football club that was that was the idea it was all set up by the professional footballers association and so yeah i i, I did that position for for a couple of years i know that it's still running today it is, yeah. i know they've got new facilities i'm absolutely delighted for all the people involved with the community scheme at swindon i really am i, I know john o took Jono to the States as a 16-year-old, and um, I know that he's still uh, masterminding everything with the community scheme, so that's, well, you know, well done to him for all these years. Yeah, John Holloway's been doing it for a very long time, because I think he was a player before that, wasn't he? He was a youth player. Being, yeah. So what's what's more difficult, you know, you know, an away day at one of those sort of horrible pitches and grounds and fans having a go at you or a classroom full of kids what's what's worse same really oh <laughs> 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 uh, honestly richie if if i could tell you right so i've been using the i've got my back to the classroom and i've got um a pen at the board okay and i'm writing out some 
algebraic equation on, on the board, and then there's something clatter against the board, and I've watched it fall to the floor and thought to myself, oh, somebody has just thrown something at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, think back to the times, I didn't really get things thrown at me, but it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing times. Nothing, nothing different, really. No, yeah. no. I mean, I, I bet me would be like, "Are you kidding me, guys?" I, I used to play alongside all the Adidas and Lou Macari. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing to me? No, that, that's uh, it's been quite amazing because when when I think um, people, so some of the pupils did ask me about playing, and I've I have to say I've found it quite difficult to um, talk about it hmm. because. Um, it's just a different context, different, you know, nobody really understands how, how you move from professional sports, say to, um, the classroom. Uh, it's quite, you know, it's quite a difficult transition. Um, you have to go to university for four years, you get, you get your degree and then you get a master's in education and, you know, and the kids are sort of sat there in front of you. You're just, you know, and they lift up, say, their phone and they show you a picture of you in a red and white shirt. Is that you? And you'll say, uh, well, yeah, but can we get on with the uh, maths, please? Can we get on with the, with the algebra? <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's been quite an amazing um, experience. The transition. Yeah, but did uh, I tell you about the time I played along um, against George Best and Jimmy Greaves? You know? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Nearer to the end of term, maybe. They say, they, no, they say, who who are they? Yeah, we get that still. You know, it's it's amazing, like especially given like in twenty twenty the amount of technology, the amount of access kids have to football. That you know, some some younger fans just all you know just have no idea of lower league football at all they're, they're completely like oblivious yeah. to it um yeah you know we've got to wrap up really so um this has been yeah. so much fun i've thoroughly enjoyed it it's been great but i mean having played for swindon so for so long what was your favorite dressing room which was the one that you really enjoyed the most well i think that the the swindon town home dressing room i i i walked in there in in over a number of years, I, I loved that dressing room. And my my peg was always as the first as you move as you walk through. Okay. Yeah. And um. Yeah. Even even we played that legends match. I put my stuff on the same peg. I moved my shirt and everything. It was great. Yeah. You saw a lot of players at Swindon come and go. Which 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 eras did, are you most fond of? Which ones do you look back and go? Oh man, we had some fun. Well, obviously, it's got to be with Lou, um, and you know nobody can take away the, the 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 fun when. Okay, so we get all get on the coach, and there's information about a horse. <laughs> so we drive to a village on the way to a game. We get off the bus. All of us line up and queue up and put money on this one horse. We come out of the bookmakers. The bookmakers is frantically trying to lay off the bets. We then go back in, collect the winnings, and get back on the bus on the way to a game. I don't know. I, I've got thousands of stories like that. Just amazing times. And I'm so happy, so happy to have lived through those times 
and to and to have experienced what what I did <laughs> is just so amazing. And, and Richie, I, I have to thank you so much for for speaking to me and allowing me to to speak about all these things. And thank you so much for those questions you've asked me. They 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 really have enabled me to to speak freely and speak o- openly about some some great times and some really tough times. Yeah. So uh, and I'm really pleased to have been able to do this. No, it's it's my pleasure. And um who who were the who were the best players you played alongside at Swindon? There's too many to say, but I mean I, I you know I could rattle off loads of people. I mean Colin Calderwood was you know just fantastic. Dave Hockaday, um Chris Ramsey, Paul Roberts, uh Tim Parkin, Fraser Digby. Oh my god, Phil King just It'll just keep going. I can just, they are, they've been absolutely a fantastic part of my, my past. All of these people. And I love how you did it as the announcer as well then. That was, that was good. Nice touch. (laughs) (laughs) Lee, it's been an absolute privilege. Thank you very much. Thank you, Richie. Thank you. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.